Fantastic words for us. We're going to worship because of the goodness of God. That doesn't mean life is always good. It just means that God is always good and he is the one who is always faithful. Well, I'm uh, Pastor Reg Taves, the transitional lead pastor here at Forest Grove Community Church Attridge. It is so good to welcome you here this morning and online. It is great for us to gather together and to celebrate what God is doing through music, but also as we study God's Word together. So this morning, uh, as we continue on, we're continuing in our series on the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible with you or an app that you want to open up, look at Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. If you get our newsletter, you will notice that I reminded and encouraged you to read the text. I don't know if you do that at some point in time. I'd like to hear if you do. If you read the text ahead of time, that would be great. Because today we're actually doing two full chapters. And I'll tell you right now, I'm really going to ignore chapter 7 altogether. Uh, Just because there's so much there, but... It's a great chapter. You can read it and do some study. And so that can be, I'm going to talk a couple times today maybe about homework. So I don't know if you remember that from school. Those of you who are in school going like, don't tell me about homework. But yes, uh, you can go home and do some other work as well. As we begin this morning, I want to wish you a blessed 2023. Do you know that God always has something in store for us and we just don't know what it is. So we want to invite him to say, what is it that you want to do in my life and through me in 2023? And the book of Acts just helps us lean into that as we look at what is the work of the early church and what does God want to do in my life? Why are we continuing in the book of Acts? Well, some of it comes out of this idea that I'm discerning a new word for myself that I believe God is giving me for this year. And the word that I'm discerning is the word courage. And as we look at the early church, I'll tell you, they needed courage. And we're going to explore that over the next number of weeks. Opposition is completely normal. Opposition to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus, is actually normal. And courage isn't the absence of fear, but courage is moving forward in the face of opposition and fear. And overcoming fear is what courage actually represents. So this morning as we begin, I want to do a bit of a recap. We're going to take a few minutes and do a recap of where we've been. And then we're going to dive into Acts chapter 6 and 7. So let's do the recap. The early church was birthed through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we need to understand that God is three in one. We talk about that God the Father, which we just sang about. We talk about Jesus, God the Son, and we talk about Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And all of them are equally God. And sometimes we sort of have this idea of God the Father is kind of over here up above. And then there's Jesus who's kind of second. And well, the Holy Spirit's kind of, yeah, whatever. He's sort of like the last. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't think about that. They're all equal. And the illustration I gave is that I am one person, but I am a son. I am a husband. And I'm a father. Now, do I act differently in each of those situations? Absolutely. But I'm the same person. And God is the same person. So the Holy Spirit is the one who birthed the early church. So God came to this earth in a more powerful way even than Jesus. And Jesus came to do a particular work. And when his work was done, he said, now I'm going to send another aspect of myself to earth so that you all who want to receive Jesus, who want to receive God into your life, we do it through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Spirit who does the work. So the early church was birthed through this work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus asked his followers to wait until he would send a gift. Christmas has just passed. You probably received a gift. 
This year, Brenda and I, we decide this every year. We're not going to give each other gifts. Unfortunately, my wife Brenda does not follow the instructions. So I always end up feeling guilty because I do. I don't give, we, we don't do the gifts thing. And so all of a sudden we do stockings, which she says, okay, but I'm like, what? But you just spent $100 on stockings. Well, they're just, you know, like this is what I wanted to. She loves to give gifts. It's just her thing. So God said, wait until I give you a gift. And so this is what he said, and, and, or this is what took place in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. In verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with God and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is a gift that keeps on giving. You've heard that. This is God, the Holy Spirit, is the gift that keeps on giving over and over and over to us. And so this gift gives back. It's a, there's this group of frightened followers who are gathering in an upper room, meeting in secret, praying that the Holy Spirit would come. Then the Holy Spirit comes, and look what takes place. They're given courage to speak out. God fills them up with himself, and all of a sudden they're speaking languages they don't know. And they're speaking languages of praise and adoration to God. And they're telling about what Jesus and the work that, uh, that Jesus had done. In the midst of all of this, there's, there will always be opposition to God's work. The early church grew in times of opposition. That shouldn't surprise us. Opposition didn't stop the ministry or the work of the early church. Nor does it stop the work of the church today. I was doing some... Uh, reading just this morning, because International Christian Concern is an organization that follows kind of the persecuted Christians around the globe. And uh, this morning as I was reading, their, their leader had just done a recap and said, where are the issues, the places where things are brewing in our world that are difficult? And one of the things that I just want to let you know that, that the war in Ukraine is, is, has really taken the world's eye to be focused on that, which it should, no, um, no, no argument there, but it has also taken the eye away from other areas of the world where persecution is taking place. Places like China, Afghanistan, Iran, uh, Africa, just like because the war in Ukraine, like it's just taken the world's focus off of other areas. And, and they're saying that the leader of uh, International Christian Concern was just saying, because of that, they are ramping up persecution of Christians and churches. But you need to know that the Christians in those places are not crying and saying, poor us. They're saying, we are now sharing the gospel even more directly than we could before. They're not running away from opposition and persecution. And so us in the Western world don't really understand that. And so it's hard for us to get this mindset of there will be opposition. We think, you know, we grew up where this is a Christian culture. Folks, it is not. We don't live in a Christian culture. We are the minority. It's okay to be the minority and, and not to, you know, whimper and whine about it, but really to say, God, what do you want us to do in the midst of us being the minority? You called us to something. You called the early church to it. In Acts chapter 4, we get an example of that in verses 3 and 4, where it says, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who, listen to this, but many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So they're preaching the gospel and they're saying, no, no, you can't say that. We're putting you in jail. And the response to putting people in jail was, we want to follow that. 
Doesn't that sound counterintuitive? It's like, no, they should run away. But that's how God works. That's how the Holy Spirit works even today. Notice that in the face of opposition, these people continue to grow. The movement continues to grow. I love to think of the church as a movement, not as an organization, where it should be a movement. And a movement is different. I mean, an organ, we do need structures and so on, but we need to be this movement of God that's listening to what is it that God is telling us and moving in that direction. So now let's turn to the text for today. I've talked about opposition, and opposition can come in many different forms. Sometimes it's external, kind of as we'll think of the early church. Uh, we think about what was happening there, but sometimes opposition can also be internal. There is no perfect church. Have I disappointed you then? There is no perfect church. If you are looking for the perfect church, don't join it. Because you and I aren't perfect. We are broken human beings. We still, unfortunately, sin. And we say, God, I repent of my sin and I turn to you. Like even the songs we're singing this morning are pointing us back. You know, there was a crimson stain. But what? You washed it white as snow. That's the work that God wants to do. But we still have this crimson stain that keeps coming up. And God says, I'm going to keep washing it. I'm going to keep washing it. I'm going to keep washing it. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're saying, I don't understand what you're talking about. It's like Jesus came to pay for your sin and my sin. And God gives us the Spirit of God to help us to to grow toward him into the likeness of who Jesus is. So that the sin fades as we put our focus on God. And as we lean into the word. So this opposition comes both externally and internally. And because we're not perfect people, the internal can be more difficult. So let's look at two places of opposition this morning as we look at this text. So Acts chapter 1. The first opposition I would suggest to you is distraction. Satan loves to distract the church. And I sometimes think that's the one that Satan's using now. It's not an external opposition. We're not seeing that. But boy, there is this internal sense of distraction. Are we focused on the right things or are we focused on the wrong things? See, we can say, well, we're focused on things. And, we, we, you know, if each of us were to say, well, I have an agenda. I have a, a thing that I want us to do. It's like, are we listening to what God is saying to us and what God wants us to be doing? And that's where we're at as a church, as Forest Grove Community Church. We're looking, what is it, God, God, what is it you want us to do? I look at 2023 for you and for me and for you particularly and go, God is going to do some amazing things in 2023. Do you believe that? Yeah. He is going to do amazing things in 2023 when and if we commit ourselves to listen to him. And that's what we want to be about, listening to him, putting aside the distractions. Well, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, doesn't that sound to you like a church split? You know, we got two groups. They're actually distinctly cultural groups. Hebrews, Greeks. They speak two different languages. They have two different cultures. Can you imagine? It'd be like, okay. Uh, So you look at the language. They spoke complaining against. 
it would be like, you know, I mean, it'd be easy for the disciples just to say, well, we're, yeah, we're, we're the Aramaic Jews. We'll just say, you know, get over yourself. That is not what they said. They said, this is a problem. We have a problem here. So within all of these cultural differences, the languages, you know, the Aramaic language versus the Greek language, the common language would have been Greek that everybody would have known. What I would suggest to us, whenever there's a problem, there's an opportunity. There's always an opportunity to think, what is it that God wants to do in this problem? So often we get focused on the problem and we don't want to see the opportunity. We don't stop and say, God, what do you want to do in this mess? For example, I, uh, when I flew home, I flew home on the 20th, and as you know, flying was a mess over Christmas. Some of you still don't have your luggage that, where you went on vacation, because I talked to you yesterday. I uh, flew into Calgary from Saskatoon, one of two flights where there should have been four the day I flew. I get to Calgary, and my flight that's going to Abbotsford is delayed, and I'm going, yes, I'm going to get on that flight. Get there, get to the gate at 11 o'clock, and they said it's delayed 30 minutes. Okay. And then 30 minutes later, it was 30 more minutes, and then it was 30 more minutes, and then it was 30 more minutes, and at 1.30 in the morning, they said, we're canceling the flight. So they go, okay, all right, that's the way it is. And they announced that no flights would be rebooked until the 23rd. So like, say what? <laughs> so now what am I going to do? This is going to be interesting. So I'm having these, I'll let you know, the opportunity for me was I had some great conversations in the airport. So I slept on the floor. I slept near a plug-in where I could plug my device in and keep it charged. And, you know, at one point, at probably 4 o'clock in the morning, had somebody come and can I plug mine in? And so we started chatting, and I found out what he did for work, and he found out what I did for work. And, and if you want to know how I explain what I do for work, you can talk to me another time. Uh, it's really, I really have a fun way of explaining it, so I don't just say I'm a pastor of a church, and that just shuts the conversation down. It's like, oh, don't know what, this guy's just grew an extra head. So I have another way of explaining it. But, you know, all of this is just like, so there was a problem. Yeah, but what's the opportunity in the problem? So I met with, I've just had so many great conversations. Uh, so it was, in some ways it was worth it. My wife was not quite as happy about the situation, thinking I wasn't going to get home till the 23rd. Uh, just to close the story, I did get a flight out the next morning, or the next afternoon, that, uh, that WestJet book for me. Distractions. There's problem where there's a problem, there's opportunity. In verse 2, the apostles come up with a solution. We don't see the process. We don't see the process. All we hear is there's a solution. Now, I would, I would suggest to you this morning, they didn't have a congregational meeting. They didn't. The apostles met, they prayed, they listened to the Holy Spirit and said, here's the solution. So the solution was uh, that one, they didn't dismiss the problem. They didn't just say, that's not a problem, get over yourselves. They said, no, we have a real problem, it's, it's a real thing. And so they presented the solution in verse 3. We're going to look at it in a minute. So the solution actually brought forward that more people could be serving and that they could have a continued focus on prayer and teaching. The distraction would have been, oh, let's half of the apostles need to go and serve the widows. And they said no. Our role is this. Let's find people who can do this role. So the distraction would have been to give up their calling and to personally fix the problem. So in, in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. 
See, there are leaders in the church whose focus needs to be prayer and ministry of the word. Now, I find in North America, not in other cultures, that if you, if you, if you're, if you say to your, your pastor, to your staff, what, do you, what in the world are you doing? And if they say, I pray, some of you be going like, get on with it, do something. Like, do something, really. It's like, no, actually, God calls us to pray. And so tonight, at 6.30, all of Forest Grove Community Church is just invited to come, and we're going to pray together. Now, we've scheduled it for the lounge, and hey, if more people than can fit in the lounge, we'll move into the sanctuary. But we're going to start in the lounge. Come tonight, our focus is going to be on bless. So if you follow the Mennonite Brethren uh, prayer time, that's their focus for this year, and we're going to just follow that tonight. So I invite you to come. What this shows to me is that the body of Christ, so the, the idea that the apostles had prayer and ministry of the word, that was their responsibility, and others were those who were going to serve. The body of Christ, it says, to, uh, Paul writes, that we all have different gifts, we have different abilities, and we need everyone to serve as they can. My heart would be that every single person in this church has a ministry. Something that you do for God. Just something. I don't know what it might be. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It doesn't even have to be in this church. It might be something else. But you're doing it, you're seeing this service as for God. Now, I want you to notice something. Stephen and the rest of the group, the seven who are named, are all Grecian. Greek names. So they said, we have a Greek problem. Let's get the Greek people to figure this out. Let's make sure they're looking after their own folks. So what I want you to notice, though, is that the qualifications for service are interesting in that it says, full of the Spirit and wisdom. Now, some of you are going to look at that and you're going to say, well, that's just not me. <laughs> I'm going to go, no, no, no. No excuses this morning. None. All of us can be full of the Spirit. All of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can be full of the Holy Spirit. You can. Now, you may be saying, well, Pastor Edge, I haven't heard this. We're going to unpack a bit more of it as we get into this. But you need to know that this being full of the Spirit and wisdom are the qualifications to serve. And guess what? All of that is not something that you work up. It is part of the gift that keeps on giving. You invite God through His Spirit to speak to you, and He will. You ask God for wisdom. So let's take a look at this. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And the answer is, of course God's going to give us the Holy Spirit. But we need to ask. So my challenge, one of my challenges to us this morning, and even for me, is do I, do I continually ask God to fill me with his Spirit? Do I just say, God, I can't do this without you. I cannot. I need you. So ask God's Spirit to be in you and to guide you each and every day. Be open to listening and obeying God's Spirit. The Spirit is vital for the church. Without the Spirit of God, we don't have God in the church. It's vital for every follower of Jesus. Jesus also said in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, when we, we want to know what, what is it God wants us to do, it's the Spirit of God who's going to tell us. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit brings remembrance to the work that God has already done. So how does this happen? 
You may ask, how, well, how does this happen? These two qualifications, full of wisdom and spirit. How do we become full of the spirit? Well, I'm going to give you some homework because we don't have time this morning to unpack all of this. But if you look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26, you'll see these words. Walk by the spirit. Led by the spirit. Live by the spirit. So if you and I were just every single day, start the day and throughout the day, God, I need your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Guide me by your spirit. Help me to walk with you. So to be full of the spirit is just simply to invite God to give it, give him to you. Give him to you. The second is wisdom. This isn't simply the wisdom of making good decisions, it's that, but it's, that, that's simply based on experience. It is also a godly wisdom that is far beyond us. In James 1.5, it says, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, and he will, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Again, ask. Do you notice how often God says, just ask? Just ask. Do you ever no, notice in the, when you go through the Gospels and Jesus is talking about healings? What does he say? What do you want me to do for you? Specific. We need to be those who ask. So often we don't ask. We forget. I forget. Maybe you're better at it than I am, but I just keep forget. I forget. God, I just I want to do this work. And you know, you've got all these things you need to do, and you just don't ask God for his Holy Spirit, and you don't ask him for wisdom. So as wisdom comes from God, and all of us need it, can we invite God to give us wisdom as we enter 2023? God, give me wisdom to do what's right. Well, let's pick up the rest of the passage as it now focuses on one of those chosen. There's this example given of Stephen. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. So he's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Those two we know for sure. Now it says he's full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now, I don't know about you, but I just kind of go like, what? Okay, so Stephen was qualified to serve widows and make sure they got food. All of a sudden, hold it a minute. Stephen has this ministry, who's, he's now full of God's grace and power, which I think he was before. This wasn't news. It's just who he was. But he began to perform great wonders and signs among the people. This is something the apostles did. Not regular Joe Stephen No, it's going to be regular Stephen who does these things. What I want to point out from that is that serving, serving in any capacity, serving is a spiritual act. Serving is a spiritual act. Practical ministry is spiritual ministry. Let's not forget that. If you're cleaning bathrooms, that's a spiritual ministry. Let me share a story with you that somebody shared with me just yesterday. I was at a funeral here, was with, sitting with some of our seniors. And uh, this person, I'll just tell you who it is, Clarence Block. I asked his permission to use his name. He was, uh, his job, he worked at Bethany College. And he was custodian there. And he would go early in the morning. The first, one of the first jobs that he would do early in the morning was he was cleaning bathrooms. So one morning he's there, he's cleaning bathrooms, and at 6 o'clock in the morning, he gets a nudge from the Holy Spirit, you need to pray for Randy Schellenberg. Randy was on staff. Stops, prays, 
continues to clean bathrooms. Later in the day, he runs into Randy and says, hey, Randy, you know, how's, how's your day going? What's happening? Randy said, this morning on my way to work, I went off the highway, I hit a culvert with my car, God spared my life. Clarence said to him, tell me, what time did that happen? Six o'clock in the morning. Now, don't tell me that's a coincidence. That is a nudge of the Holy Spirit. So they weren't injured. So what it tells me is that when we get the nudges of the Holy Spirit, we respond with obedience. doesn't matter what you're doing in the church. It is a spiritual ministry. There's all kinds of opposition, as I said. Some of it was internal, and we see that in this text, uh, the distraction aspect. The second aspect that I don't want to look at this morning is, per- is there's persecution. There's outside persecution. So we have Stephen, who's this servant, who's full of God's grace and mercy, and who is also doing these acts and wonders, and he's called up before the leadership. Persecution as it comes in many forms. Look at this, uh, just as you look at chapter, the end of chapter 6 on all of chapter 7, there's this arguing against the gospel. Opposition looks like arguing against the gospel. The gospel can't be true, it can't be right, there's got to be issues with it. And it's like we need to, I, I would say we need to be prepared to hear that and also to respond to it appropriately. So persecution comes in that way. It also comes uh, in, in lying to remove the gospel witness. If you read the story, right, it's like he's, he's filled with wisdom and he's responding to them and he's giving them God's word and they're like, we can't argue against this. It's just not working. So what are we going to do? Well, let's ramp it up and let's just bring people who are lying. We have friends who work in... Uh, in Vietnam, I think I can say this, and um, they work in a recovery ministry, and some of their people were falsely accused, and it's like, this is just what happens, completely falsely accused, and it's like, what are we going to do? There's, there's going to be this, just this misunderstanding, and so we need to be prepared in the spirit to respond to opposition. So in verse 10, it talks about wisdom is provided in times of challenge. If you look at chapter 6 and verse 10, there's wisdom that's provided in this time of challenge. And, and Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to you this morning, he says to me this morning in Matthew 10, 19 and 20, he says this, and actually in every single gospel, you will find this text, but I'm going to give you just the one from Matthew. But when, the, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. There's the comfort. God, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like, no, but I'm going to give you the words to say. Stephen, in the midst of all of this, I'm sure he isn't going like, oh, yeah, he's an apologist. He has got it figured out. No, he doesn't. He just sits down and goes like, okay, God, what do I need to say? And God says, these are the words. And he repeats them back. If you look at that whole, that whole sermon that's, that Stephen preaches, it's really a, an accusation. And he's speaking as a Grecian. Get this in your head. He is Greek, speaking to very Jewish people, the leaders, the religious leaders of the day, and he's telling them about themselves. You can see that wouldn't probably go over too well. And so he does this whole a speech to convict them in, in chapter 7. It's just he's an outsider pointing fingers. Now, if you go to the end of the text, in Acts, uh, the end of uh, Acts 7, notice this. He brings the whole issue to, the, to a head where he says these words, you always resist 
the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that I've learned in marriage, you don't ever use the word always. Okay, so if you're newly married here this morning, just put the word always, just like chuck it out. You know, like you hear, you always do this. It's like, no, I often do this. I regularly do this. I most regularly do that. But you can't say always because I can, you and I can change. However, he says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You see, God was speaking to the religious leaders of the day, and they were not listening. I want to suggest to us this morning that this could be a word of warning to the church today. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? I mean, I read that phrase and just went, wow. Wow. I don't want to be that. We don't want to be that. I don't ever want to hear from God that I am resisting Him in leadership, ever. So, He challenges them. Needless to say, what Stephen has been pointing out from history now lands in the present. And what do they decide to do with Stephen? Let's do what we did with the prophets. Let's kill him. Now, you know, as you read the stories in the, in the New Testament, you read the stories in the book of Acts, so often God steps in and rescues. And you know what? This is one of those stories where God doesn't rescue. And, you know, you might go like, why? Why? So there's this response of this death sentence that we see in Acts chapter 7, the end of the book, 54 to 60. And we see God's guidance and direction for Stephen. There's courage, not fear. So this, you know, they call it up, like, let's take him out and stone him. And notice Stephen's response. I just think his response is like, wow, is so amazing. Because he actually becomes this man who is full of God's grace. Notice what he says in, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. God is saying, I am now revealing myself to you, Stephen, in this final moment of your life. Look, at, look you're seeing me face to face right now. Would that not give you courage? Man, it would give me courage. He speaks these incredible words. Then later, at the very end, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Doesn't that sound like Jesus on the cross? Yeah, he's just, he looks at, he sees Jesus, he sees Jesus there and going, I'm going to you, I'm following you. And I say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees, cried out, notice this, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Again, it points us back to the cross. God, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Don't hold the sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He didn't fall asleep, he died. It's just the language the Bible uses, is this language of sleep, but it's really he dies. God uses life that is committed to him, whether it is short or long. We just need to know God uses life that is committed to him whether it's short or long. We don't know how many days, we don't know how many moments we have, but God can use our life. 
doesn't matter how old we are. I think of people like Nate Saint who died trying to reach an indigenous population with the gospel, and it was a turning point, and that people have come to know him. His wife went back, raised their kids. It's just, it's an amazing story. And there's just hundreds of stories like that where God uses people. What's our response this morning? Let me give you this three things to think about. Start with life, lives, our lives are transformed through the actions of the Holy Spirit today. As a church, we stand as life transformation happens in Jesus. And I absolutely am committed to that. It starts there. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So what happens at the cross? The transaction takes place. Jesus dies for my sin. I now receive the gift of Jesus Christ and my sins are forgiven. And God gives me his Holy Spirit as a gift so that I can live for him. Life transformation happens through the actions of the Holy Spirit today. You may be sitting here this morning and I just want you to consider this. Do you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you today? And every day. Yes, I do. You do. In what area would you ask the Holy Spirit to do a work of life transformation? This morning, just a few minutes, we're gonna, I'm going to invite you to come for prayer. If you, if you want prayer this morning to receive the Holy Spirit, to say maybe you have the Holy Spirit, you're saying, I just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be full of God in my life. And if that's you this morning, I invite you. We're going to pray together. I, we want to invite you to come and pray with us. Just a way of saying, God, I want to be filled with who you are, what you've given us. Secondly, I want you to consider practical ministry is spiritual ministry. So where is it that you're serving God? It might be, it might be even in your business. Wherever you are, how do you see what you're doing is serving God? And where might you serve? Where, where can you offer your best? Sometimes we get involved in saying, well, I'm doing this. It's like, actually, God's calling you into something else. I look at, you know, Stephen is this example, right? Of, I'm going to step into serving widows. I'm going to make sure they get food. And you read the story and go like, and he's signs and wonders. And he's defending the gospel. And God calls him to something completely different. Maybe God's calling you to something completely different this morning. I don't know. I just know the Holy Spirit is here and he's working. What is God calling us to this morning? What's he calling you to this morning? Finally, wisdom comes to those who ask. What do you need wisdom to do or to say? Again, invite the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and then courage to obey. And I think sometimes we know what to do, it's just we need the courage to do it. We know what to do. We just need the courage to step into it. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. They would, and I'm just going to pray over us, and then I'm going to invite you, if you want prayer this morning, there'll be some of our prayer team will come to the sides as we worship together. Just come for prayer, prayer around the filling of the Spirit, where is God leading you, what is God wanting to say to you, and maybe you just need someone to pray over you, to pray with you into these things this morning. So I invite you to come. So let me pray. Father, we just thank you that you are a God of transformation. You are a God who gives us good gifts. And you've given us the gift, those of you, us who are followers of yours, who've received the gift of Jesus. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us yourself. Lord, I pray that you would, and every believer in this room and online, would turn to you this morning and say, fill me with your Holy Spirit.
fill me. Continue to fill me. It's not a one-time thing. It's a daily, moment by moment. Fill me with your spirit. Give me wisdom. So, Lord, I pray that over us. I pray that for, for 2023. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us courage to live it out, to obey what you're calling us to do, to serve you wherever you've called us to serve, we pray in Jesus' name.